0: here we are hi everybody what is the date today uh make sure the microphone is working yes it is it's fine the date is the 6th of march 2020 can you believe it's the 6th of march 2020 my name is luke thomas and this is the luke thomas live chat episode 22 uh how are you doing today on this wonderful friday uh you may know me from the luke thomas show which airs on sirius xm fight nation channel 156 Monday to Friday, three to six PM. Information in the description box. You might also know me from Showtime. Uh, do some work for them. Have a show called Morning Combat. Information in the description box. And uh, yeah, but this is my little YouTube channel, and this is my little chat, independent of all of that. Thank you so much for joining me. Without further ado, let's get this party started, shall we? <laughs> Alright, you might hear my neighbors talking because my window is open. How are you doing everyone? Hope you're doing well. Thank you so much for joining me. As you guys know how this works, I put up a post on the community tab of this channel on Thursdays. And i might have to close this window a little bit. And then um, you guys fill it up and then you guys rank it. And then from there I just pick the ones at the top. If you'd like to uh, purchase and skip the line, you may. You can donate and if not, um, you know... That's fine, too. I don't expect the donations. I just leave them up there. For the folks who really want to get a question in, I'll get to those at the end. We'll go for about an hour and some change. Came from the gym uh, not too long ago. Again, these are you don't have to get a, a shake at the gym. I just do it because I like it. Mm. All right. How is everybody? Good? Everyone doing well? All right, good. Let's go to the questions, shall we? I might close this a little bit. Hang on. There we go. Not too bad. Okay. Hope everyone had a good week. If you notice, I did not upload much. Ooh, I'll turn this off. Uh yes, yeah, subscribe to the channel, like the video, do all of that. Um there we are. Uh I did not upload hardly well at all this week because I was sort of mentally fried. Um and my there was this whole thing about these childcare issues, which is why I missed morning combat on Monday, because, you know, we we just, we ran into some problems, so I had to do a bunch of extra duty this week, and it just, it zapped your boy of energy, so I did not have any, I mean, I had, I recorded a couple of segments, but they weren't that great, so I just didn't post, but uh, hopefully I'll be back to normal, starting tomorrow, I'll do a post-fight show for uh, UFC 248, and then we can build from there, yeah? Okay. Here we go. <laughs> First question, if Brian Campbell and Brendan Schaub, Schaub spelled wrong, I guess it's spelled wrong on purpose, were hanging off of a cliff and you could only save one, which one would you save? Um, They're both hanging off of a cliff and I could only save one. (laughs) I'd kick both their hands off and just keep all the Showtime money for myself. That's an easy one to answer. It's like, Brian, we got great chemistry. See you on the other side. Brendan, you're a big help, but can't return the favor. Kick them off, kick them off, and then go back to Showtime and be like, I don't know what happened. Pay me. So both of them would die. Sorry, boys. Uh, all right. Oh, Jesus, really? We're going to do this? All right. Uh, this comes from Phil. He asks, Titman or ass man? The donk delegation wants to know. Well... Uh, <laughs> how do I describe this question? As uh, sort of crude as it may be, it's the second-ranked question, so I suppose I have to answer it, huh? Typically try to avoid this kind of stuff for fear of having any kind of pushback. Um, all right, well, I'll say this. This is, does it, what, how, what, however, however I'm about to answer this question, this is merely, um... These are merely my preferences. I do not, I do not, I do not say to the world that my preferences should be accepted by others. This is merely personal view of things. Okay. The answer has changed over time. I think through my teenage years, um, I was probably more the former than the latter. It has changed a little bit as I've aged, but I'll say this. And this is probably a gross generalization, which I'm admitting up front. But in general, my experience has been, um, if you find your, I'll, I'll say this. These are my these are my preferences, right? If you find, I have found that in Latin America, you don't really have to choose. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of just say that. In Latin America, you know, again, I don't want to overgeneralize. They come in all shapes and sizes there too. For me, this is my personal preference. I've dated all kinds. I've dated, um, I've dated Nigerian women, Taiwanese, uh, Southern Bells, I mean, you name it. I've sort of, I've sort of run the gamut, right? Um, but I have found that the ones that appeal the most to me, in general, have been Latin American women. And I have found that typically this question, while it can apply, uh, it, you, tend to get the, you tend to get both. So, so you don't really have to make, you don't, it's like the, uh, you don't really have to choose. You really sort of just, they both come with the package. Uh, that is a gross overgeneralization, probably deeply unfair. But for me, my weakness has been Latin women. Uh, it's why I married one, right? Seems relatively obvious. And I have found that in Latin America, for me, uh, this question is a lot less relevant because they tend to be the total package much more so than any other place I've ever been. I realize that I'm probably saying things that are unfair that might get me in trouble. I hope not. I'm just trying to tell you what my preferences are. I'm not trying to tell you how to live your life or what to like and what not to like. All women are beautiful, yeah. But for me, the ones that appeal the most have been... The the apex predator for me are Latin women. And, uh, you know... It's sort of funny too, like I remember, do you guys remember years ago, that uh, controversy where they had that sideline reporter, I forget where she was from, She, I think she was Mexican. Um, and I think her name was Inez Sands, do you guys remember this? She was, like, she was there for like Super Bowl coverage, and she was, I think, you know, she was doing some locker room coverage as well, and people were like, oh, she's, you know, she's dressed provocatively, and I'm looking at her and I'm like, if you go... Again, this is a this is a this is a probably a little bit of an unfair generalization, but I think there's a hint of truth to this too. Which is, if you go anywhere in Latin America, the way she was dressed, there wasn't a thing controversial about it, dude. Nothing. Um, that was you see that kind of thing, you know, let's say let's say form fitting clothing as part of it uh, to an extent, perhaps a little bit more revealing. That kind of thing is way more common down there. Way more, and there's no social taboo about it. And the sort of policing of women's bodies in the same way that it is down there, not 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 in that kind of way anyway. And um, it works for me. <laughs> it works for me. So that's probably why I married one, right? So, um, you know, Latino. I want to be clear about this, or you know, and Latina is not a, it's not a race, uh, but you tend to get a little bit more of a you know you get a, you get a wide range. You can get them all the way uh, Afro. Um, either Colombian, Afro-Ecuadorian, Afro-Brazilian, all the way to you know, people who look as white as they are from Spain. I tend to like a nice little mix in the middle. and uh, But that's just me, right? So I'll say the answer is both because my travels through Latin America have showed me in those places, you tend to not have to make a choice. You just get everything you want, right? That's just me. Please don't cancel me or get me fired. Just telling you how I feel. Okay, true or false? Dana White will retire from the UFC after his current seven year contract finishes. I'll say false. A previous or current fighter will be Dana's successor. Hmm. I'll say. I'll say true. I don't really know which one, but I'll say true. Tyson Fury will only fight Wilder, and then AJ, and then retire. Um, You know what? I would ordinarily not think that's true, but with him, I will say true. I don't think he's got a ton of desire to do this forever. Even as good as he is, even if he wanted to, he could. China will have three different UFC champions in the next ten years. Ooh, Well, they've already got one. Are you counting that one? If you're counting that one, I'll definitely say true. Brian Campbell would beat Chuck Mindenhall in a fight. <laughs> dude, you know what? Chuck's got a little bit of fire to him. He doesn't really show y'all on camera. You cross that guy, he'll let you know you got sideways with him real fast, dude. He got he's, he's got a little he got a little bit of that like mean streak. And he's not a mean person, but you know he's got a little bit of that fire in his belly that sometimes y'all don't see because he's sort of like you know he's real happy go lucky. I'll say, I'll say, uh, I'll say false. I'll go with the old man in the hat. I'll go with the Ice Man. Ice Man's got ice in his veins. You got, you got, to look behind the, the the veneer. Brian will probably kill me for saying that, but you know what can I do? That's how I feel, Brian. Sorry, bud. He doesn't watch this anyway. All right. So many times we see wrestlers falling in love with their hands. Romero, Gaethje, Pico. Why do wrestlers find striking so alluring when other disciplines like jiu-jitsu cater more to their ability to drag down people, should be drag people down to the canvas? Also, who would stand to benefit more uh, from actively utilizing their wrestling pedigree between Romero and Gaethje? I think they've um, why do wrestlers find striking so alluring when other disciplines like jiu-jitsu cater more to their ability to drag people down to the canvas? Um there's a certain physicality that comes with wrestling that you don't necessarily have with jiu Again, that's a little style dependent, but in general, I think that is true. I think it recruits a different kind of athlete. You get this you get you're much more likely to get a bit of an explosive athlete who um who is, you know, they've got a lot they've got there's if you get a high-level wrestler, the chances are they're going to be the kind of athlete, I mean, just think about wrestling too, right? It's, it's almost like this evolutionary process where, I mean, and that's a bit of an over-exaggeration, but you, know, you have to stay hunched over and you're down all the time and you're bent over at the waist. And now you get this opportunity to kind of stand and you're probably a pretty good athlete and you're probably pretty explosive. And you've always got this ability to use your wrestling as a backup. I think also a lot of them have seen that wrestling, an over-reliance on wrestling can really backfire. And so between them probably having naturally good power, between the allure of just, you know, something new, which, granted, the jiu-jitsu guys don't seem to fall in love with as much, and um, this sort of ability to, I don't know, I kind of feel like they feel like they're cramped in wrestling, and now you get this sort of more openness. Whereas in jiu-jitsu, they don't have the same, they're not walking, the wrestlers are not walking away from wrestling per se, but I think that they're realizing there's this other athletic profile that they can adopt. Whereas in jiu-jitsu, they seem to make want to like make slight adjustments off of what they're already pretty good at. Also, wrestling by itself is not a finishing technique. I mean, it can be in certain circumstances, but you guys know they're not. You know, you don't, you, you can win by pin, um, but there's not exactly you don't win by armbar, you don't win by heel hook. Whereas jiu-jitsu has this natural finishing built into it that I think people think if I can just get them to the mat, I'm so good, I'll be able to make that kind of thing work. And for some, that's obviously pretty true. Ryan Hall would be a great example of that. But in general, wrestling is just sort of a means to an end, and so when you've seen guys who've not, you know, who they have success with the wrestling, but there can be a real cost to that. When you have this new athletic potential, um, it tends to change things. I think. I mean, again, understand, I'm just guessing here. You're springing on me in real time a question. I don't. I, uh, that may be a poor answer in terms of athletic profile, but certainly I think that the finishing component of jujitsu. It just puts in people's mind, this is the path, this is the path, this is the path. And if you, you know, look, hunting a submission, you have to have real intentionality about it, right? If you're going to go for a submission, that has to be your plan. That has to be your plan. That your plan has to be, that is exactly what I'm going to do. Um, and so, you know, you have, to, you have to think about all the places you're going to go, and you got to set them all up, whereas if you're wrestling... There's a lot of different tactics you can use that for, but it's really labor-intensive. And there's no there's no obvious means to an end other than wearing somebody out or getting to a certain position and from there doing something else. And so that probably opens up the idea of striking a little bit more, certainly on the ground, like Ben Askren style, or then on the feet, a little bit more Colby Covington style. right? Because teaching them submissions, it's a little hand-in-glove with the wrestling, but it's still another skill. And with the way MMA has moved generally you know, a little bit away from submissions, it's probably your answer. Uh, do you think Khabib could become a two-division champion? Probably not. Um, do you see him beating Usman or Colby? Certainly not Usman and probably not Colby either. He, he might be able to. I could be underestimating him. I don't really know. Uh, Usman, I don't think he can beat. I just I feel like Usman's way too big and strong and Colby, what you call it? Um, Khabib would have too many, too many problems. It'd be just too much of an uphill climb. He can really make it work against people relatively his size, but you start going up another 15 pounds, and you're getting guys like Kamaru. Kamaru's a big dude. He walks around 200 plus. You know, that's just way too much to ask of somebody, even of the ability of of um, Khabib or, or uh, Colby probably too is, is probably too big and too skilled. You know, if they weren't as skilled in wrestling, maybe you could say that, you know? Like, you know what an interesting fight would be? It's because he's got very good takedown defense, but he's not a born, or he wasn't a, he's a born fighter, certainly, but he's not a born wrestler. He didn't wrestle, you know, or he, no one's a born wrestler, I suppose, but he didn't re- start wrestling early. Jorge Masvidal would be an interesting test case because he's a former lightweight who moved up to welterweight, who's got very good takedown defense, uh, but, you know, picked up wrestling a little bit later in his athletic life. I'm not here to say that Jorge could not beat him to be very clear but to me that would be a little bit more interesting than somebody who was been, who's been wrestling for a long time is physically never been able to fit at 155 in their in their uh, uh, MMA career and you know was very gifted at wrestling at the same time that would just be it's just a bridge too far for me probably now maybe I'm underestimating him in which case you know whatever but you're asking Do I think he can beat those guys? Probably not. Would I be much more interested in seeing a Masvidal fight for those reasons? Yes. But maybe Masvidal's too big at this point, too, you know? Uh, On your SiriusXM show the other day, you had mentioned there were career targets that you thought you would have reached by now. Uh, But you've also achieved things you didn't expect. Could you expand on these things? Yeah, I suppose. Um... Didn't expect to have this channel blow up the way it kind of, I mean, I blow up is a relative term, but do as well as it has done, where it has been a source of, you know, monthly income. It's been a great advertising platform for my various projects. It's been a good way to recruit an audience. It's set me apart, I think, from a lot of my MMA media peers. Um, that has been very surprising, right? And in the relative quickness of the, of the growth, too, has been very surprising. So that's been kind of fun. Um, in terms of like career targets, I thought it would have reached by now, I thought it would have done a lot more television. We've kind of been over this. There's just not many opportunities, and the door shut on that, I, I don't know, permanently in MMA, but it's certainly for now, there don't seem to be any opportunities. Boxing has been one where um, that might I might get a second chance to do, and that's another part that's been surprising. If you had asked me two, three years ago, if you'd be on television again, I probably would have said no, but I would have said maybe. And if I had said yes, I would have thought it had been somewhere along the lines of uh, MMA coverage, but I, I don't really think that's true, you know? I tend to think um, I tend to think it's going to be along the lines of of boxing. I mean, even that's not a guarantee, right? Like Showtime has not promised me anything, but um, if there is any path, that that seems the much more direct one at this point. I'd also sort of say um, there were some there were some hard lessons about audience generation I had to learn. You know. Uh, I'm not here to demean the practice. I don't think there's anything wrong with the practice. There's, in fact, it. Uh, there's. Let me say. Let me say, it, let me say it outright. There's nothing wrong with being the kind of guy in MMA media who breaks news about upcoming fights. I don't really consider that journalism, but I don't think that there's anything bad about it. Like there's nothing. I can't talk shit about it. It's not. It's not harmful as a practice. It's not bad. Fans seem to really find value in it. Um, I wouldn't call it journalism per se, but it, it, there's nothing wrong with it. However, what I have noticed is that kind of thing is very good for um, audience—not merely retention, but growth—and it's just something I hate. Uh, you know, there's been—I've had a couple of opportunities in terms of um, hate, in the sense of uh, I, I don't want to go through the process of being that guy because to me, maybe other people have a different process, but to me, it made demands on me to have relationships with managers. And other power brokers, I, I just didn't want to have. And kind of what I found was that the thing that I really wanted to do, which was learn as much about the sport, talk to interesting people, um, immerse myself in the details about what makes things work. That's really what I focus on. W- what works and why, either in the cage or in the business or in media or you know w- what makes this whole operation tick. That's really what I focus in on. Um, what's fair, what's not. Who's getting? Who's getting? Um, um, how do power dynamics affect results? And um, how do people win fights? Like th- those are the things I tend to focus in on. And it's not that um, it's not that that my successes or failures prove what the upper or lower bound limits of those may be, but I have found that there have been certain practices that are much more tried and true for audience growth that I just didn't have the stomach for, and maybe even the talent, probably too um, that were, that were things I probably could have tried. I just, I just didn't do. Um, there were times in my life where I had a couple times where I was like, Hey, you want to break this fight? You want to break this news? And I just hated it. I hated, I hate, I hated the way it made me manage relationships in a way I otherwise would not have. It's not that I don't want to have relationships per se with these people, but I want to have it on a basis where they understand what, what my ultimate, um, what, what I'm trying to do. I'm tr- I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to set fire to things, but I am trying to be somebody who, like the audience I've built, um, to the extent that I have one, I try to say things that are uh, backed by an evidentiary basis and that you guys know when you ask me something, you're getting, a, you're, you're, you're getting an honest response. And uh, I have found, again, maybe people have different processes. I, I, I want to be very clear about that. It's not something I've done a whole lot of. But when it was available to me, it was not available in a way where I felt like I could keep up both ends of the deal where I could both be the guy who did that kind of thing. And then also really felt free to tell you how I felt. Um, So I just decided I'm just not going to do that. And that really slows your progress. It really slows your progress. If you want to be somebody who's quick at generating an audience, or at least if you want a faster path, be the kind of person that beats promotions to the punch about fight and event related news. It's very, 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 very lucrative personally for audience growth. But um, it for me, for me, I want to be 100% clear about that. For me, it just wasn't a deal that I could make. And so, uh, you know, rather than walking on my feet, I had to walk on my hands. And as you can imagine, it takes a lot longer to get where you want to go. So, um, And you piss off people and There's just a lot of, there's a lot of baggage and friction that comes with the way in which I've built, uh, my career, but you know, I'm not, understand what I'm saying. I'm not, (laughs) I'm not looking for sympathy. Like I'm very clear headed about that choice. Now, I think I had a little bit of delusion early in my career that it wouldn't be as costly. The friction wouldn't be as strong, but now I'm very clear about it and I'm perfectly okay with it. I am I am I am totally at ease with that being the trade-off. Um it was heartbreaking to watch Benavidez after his recent loss. What's the worst you felt for a fighter after a big loss? Good question. Very good question. Um worst I felt for a fighter after a big loss. Pshh. When Kenny Florian lost to Jose Aldo, right? Because he put himself through hell to get a title shot. A couple of them. At lightweight, and it didn't go his way. You know, dealing with, at the time, an all-time great in that division. Still an all-time great. Um, And then just having to murder himself to get to 145. And to make his way to a title shot there. And then that sort of wall to be closed off. One thing about Kenny Florian you have to sort of admire... um, both at the time and certainly in retrospect, was that he, he really made an effort to wring the sponge dry. And what I mean by that is you're ever taking a sponge and then you try to turn it, and you always kind of feel like if I keep turning and keep turning and keep turning, I can get just a little bit more water and a little bit more water, and I can squeeze it out. He was a guy that I felt like did everything, everything. like what They always say, don't worry about what you can control, Worry about what you don't worry about. What you can't control. Excuse me. Worry about what you can, and he always felt to me like somebody who was very much in touch with that message and its power. And I really feel like, for the most part, he really was a good. Did a great job of maximizing his potential. This is why I really hate the framing of the idea, like, oh, in big fights he was a choker, which is what Dana White used to say. Um, I don't really, I don't really agree with that. I don't feel like. Um, Choking means that when you were at a certain point, not merely did you not succeed, but you didn't succeed because you you tripped up, you were out in front of your skis. And the reality is, um, from Kenny Florian, I always felt like he was an enormously talented fighter who was just at a time where both at lightweight and featherweight at the time in which he was a viable contender. He had to go against all time greats. He had to get title shots. Now he had one against, I think Sean Shirk at the time, but when he was really, I think dialed in. He had to go up against BJ Penn when BJ Penn was his very best, which was like if you if you know if you if you miss that I don't know what to tell you he was a fucking monster, and then and then Jose Aldo in his prime it's like, shit man you know, um, that's not really what I consider choking that's choking to me is something a little bit different. It's the same thing with Cerrone it's like, you know okay did he did he perform ably against Conor McGregor yeah not really you know he didn't look great but. When you consider the the context of all the damage he's had, in both inside the octagon and outside, and that he had fought Alex Hernandez, Al Iaquinta, Tony Ferguson, Justin Gaethje, and that the fifth fight in 364 days was Conor McGregor. It's like, what the fuck were you expecting, man? You know, what were you expecting? I'm, I'm not here to say that he had no chance in winning, but Jesus Christ, that is an uphill slog. Well, was an uphill slog for Kenny, you know? Um, and there is just real... I don't think he wanted to end his career. I think that was his last fight, right? Let me, uh, I believe that was his last contest as a pro MMA fighter. Yeah, UFC 136. And uh, he gave it everything he had. He went the full distance. It wasn't like he got blown out. Um, but, you know, it just wasn't in the cards. He, he had to go up against an all-time great. And sometimes that's that's, that's just the way it goes. You know, it doesn't mean you're not talented. doesn't mean you didn't work hard. doesn't mean any of those things. I really, really, I detest... This whole idea of, like, he's a joker. Well, you know, are we really saying that he was as, as good as Jose Aldo and then just fell apart at the last second? Because that's what joking kind of means to me. And I don't really think that that's true. I think he was just a, v- a very, very, very good fighter at a time when there was two all-time greats. What are you going to do? Just just how the cookie crumbles, man. Um, and there's been other ones, too. I felt bad for uh, Nate Quarry when he lost to Rich Franklin in the way that he did. Um... I felt bad for Evan Tanner and the way he got cut up against David Loazzo. there uh, are some other ones where I just felt horrible for the guy. I felt a little bad for um Yoshihira Akiyama when he fought Kazuo Masaki and then he had to go in there and get lectured you know in front of the Japanese audience there was this real if you guys know the story there was this real Japanese Korean tension in that fight and you know uh- M- Misaki wanted to go in there and lecture him about honor and shit. It was kind of painful to watch. I felt bad for him there those Those are some examples. If Romero were to win this weekend uFC two forty eight do you think the uFC would do the immediate rematch or do Romero versus Costa two Wow, great question Whew. Um, man. <laughs> Fuck, anyone's guess, right? Um, Okay, probably a lot of it will depend on the factors of the fight itself. If it's a close fight and people are claiming robbery, which is to say it's not a robbery, maybe not. Um, If Romero misses weight, God forbid. If Romero misses weight and he wins, like they're going to do with Benavidez and Figueredo, they might do it again. If Romero just, you know, viciously knocks him out, um, in two rounds, it just looks like the better guy the whole way through. Maybe not. If there's some, I'll say this if there's real deal controversy about it, probably. If not, I don't know. It's like, and you know, I know what you might say. Well, look, they really want Adesanya to be a star, no doubt about it. And he's on his way. Um, it also might depend on the availability of Adesanya. Like if he gets viciously KO'd and gets his jaw broken and there's just he can't come back right away or tears his ACL, God forbid, again, God forbid, um, you know, there might be something there. But otherwise, no, uh, I, I, it's so hard to say. I'll put it this way. There's some obvious conditions under which they might do it. I don't think there's a blanket way in which they do it. But there's probably a lot of different circumstances under which they do it. And again, I hope this does not happen. But to the extent he might miss weight and wins, I think they definitely do it there. I think if they're, I think if it's close, they, they might. If it's just outright clear that one guy was better, probably not. They might just do Romero Costa. Because, hello, Romero Costa won was amazing. And you could have scored that fight for Romero, by the way. So just keep that in mind. Uh, all right. They call in. Hi, Luke. I'm curious about the Twitter post you made last week about, quote, there are not a lot of good guys in MMA. And the full one was, there are not a lot of good guys in MMA, but Joseph Benavidez is one of them. I'm sure you've seen the outrage towards you. Probably not all of it, but some, yes. But I thought you might have a point. Yeah, no shit. Because you deal with fighters behind the scenes uh, when the cameras are off. So my question is, what was the point when you finally realized that MMA is filled with shitty people? Can you give us some of your finest examples with fighters that you don't care for? Boy, there's a lot of them. Or what was uh, one case when you finally gave up on MMA? I have more... Uh, Wow, this is a very big question. First of all, for the people who got mad about that, I have terrible news for you. I have terrible news for you, namely... Santa Claus is not real. I don't know if you know that or not. Again, for the ones who understood what I was saying, we're all good. For the ones who were like, there's tons of good guys in MMA, I have terrible news. Santa Claus is not real. Easter Bunny's not real. And when you were a kid and you lost a tooth and you put it under your pillow and you woke up with a quarter or a Snickers bar or whatever the hell you woke up with there was no tooth fairy that was probably actually your parents or a loved one who did the switcheroo. Now I don't know if I don't know if the people who got outraged about that very obvious truth I had written. I don't know if y'all know that, but that's true. And you're going to say, "Luke, oh, here's a perfect example where you could make a clear case for yourself and uh, without being flippant about it, but it's just, you know, I can't I could not believe the juvenile response. Now, when I say juvenile, I don't mean that they were responding with dick jokes but rather this, like, deeply disconnected juvenile worldview <laughs> where you think the MMA industry is predominantly filled with good guys. I mean, what a joke. What a joke. Look, there are, in any in any walk of life, there's going to be a bit of a balance, right? And the way I had written it was, when I said good guys, I'd almost kind of made it, not, not in a mocking way, but, a, but in a... Um, Sort of like a comic book way, like there's the bad guys and then there's the good guys and there's sort of everyone else in between. And Joseph Benavides, to to, to be very clear, I, you know, I have dealt with so many fighters um, behind the scenes. I'll tell you this: like whatever you guys feel about Colby Covington, Colby Covington is, in terms of doing what he said he would do when we made arrangements for any kind of media um, work, is maybe the most professional, punctual of them all. Like when when he says he's going to do it. Hey, I'll be here at such and such a time. He does it. He does it without any question. Now, there's a bit of a different issue there about all the things he believes and what it all means. That's fine. I'm simply saying a lot. The only point I'm trying to make is what you see on camera and what these people are behind the scenes are radically different. And of course, I'm not merely talking about fighters. I don't know why people thought I was just talking about fighters. I'm talking about media, I, 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 there's a lot of media I have great relationships with. Dude, there's a lot of media that I think are straight up fucking bad people, real bad people that will fucking cut your throat for no good reason the instant they get an opportunity to do so. They' they're, and they and they will absolutely stomp on people's career for no good reason. They are deeply d- damaged people. It's true in media, it's true in management. it's true in the every, every intermediary. it's true on commissions. it's true on the fight core, it's true on the trainer Corps. Like it's true everywhere. How many truly decent people are there? Frankly, in the world. Not many. And then you want to take it to a subset where people fist fight for a living and you think there's a high proportion of that. That is a that is such a juvenile worldview. I can't believe people that are above the age of thirteen actually hold it. And I'm and I'm being one thousand percent serious. Of course, there are great people. Would you like me to shout some of them out in MMA? I have no problem doing that. To the extent that I know what the truth is, which of course I don't have a full sense of things in anyone's case, uh, Dustin Poirier seems to be just about as great as they're going to get. Uh, Joe Lazan is a real person, and he is—he's um, a caring individual, and he's a great dad, and everything else in between. Joseph Benavidez is another one that I—you know—not merely is he professional to deal with. But he seems like a real, genuine, caring person um, all the way through. Uh, Julie Kedzie would be another one that I think would follow along those lines. Um, Trying to think of some trainers that I've had you know, some really good dealings with. Um, there's been some. Um, the war man, Stephen Wright, I think is a very, very stand-up dude all the way through. And he's a Christian and I'm not, but I think he really has good ethical grounding in the world. Um And the list goes on, right? It's not that you can't name a bunch, you can name a bunch. Are we really to suggest that that is the preponderance in the industry? An industry that is poorly regulated, that allows for any number of bad faith and maladjusted actors to enter? I mean... What fucking planet are these people living on that they think that that is a real thing that they can push back on me against? Folks, I've been in the trenches in this industry for about 13, I'm going on 14 years, and you're going to tell me that your position from a distance gives you greater insight into who these people actually are? Why do you think I don't do as many interviews anymore? Because I have become disgusted, not really with the phoniness of the process, but the phoniness of dealing with a lot of people's um, motives, acts unprofessional behavior, um, and with their personhood generally. And let me tell you something. Do I present myself as some kind of fucking Mother Teresa out here? No. God, I've made so many mistakes. I'll tell you about one. I won't hide from it. I'll be right up front with it. I had Brian Stan on my show back when I think he was going from WEC to to UFC. I can't remember exactly where I had it. And uh, we did a great interview. He didn't know I was a Marine. I introduced myself as one. We had a great conversation. I had someone write, because I would asked him at the time, would you fight Rashad Evans, I think was the question. And he was, you know, gave a great Brian Stan diplomatic answer. Um, And I think at the time it was something like, you know, if it really came down to it, maybe. But he was very clear about, like, if it was absolutely necessary, maybe. But that was not a priority. It was not something he wanted to do. He had high respect for Rashad Evans. I had somebody transcribe it, and they fucked it all up how I don't know but it's my responsibility I didn't know it and I posted it and you know and it was just it was it was literally inaccurate I mean you want to talk about a fuck up of all fuck ups that was so irresponsible of me it was such a mistake I had to grovel to Ben to Brian Stan to get forgiveness and I think he ultimately did but he didn't owe me that like if he had never forgiven me you know what would I have owed him um what did he owe me nothing he owed me nothing dude that's like that's a major fuck up man and I, I think about that all the time when i when i deal with these guys um in terms of my analysis have i been flippant at times and insulting towards fighters in a way that wasn't justified yeah absolutely I, I i say it all the time i really was i was so wrong about the post World Series of Fighting career about Andre Arlovsky. and I regret some of the things that I say and how and how dismissive they were. I don't mind being dismissive uh, um, per se, but again, it's got to be justified. We go back to the Cerrone conversation with Stephen A. Smith. I don't mind saying it when it's really when it really is justified that certain fighters have quit, but you better have good evidence for it. And uh, I made that mistake. And I'm sure there's been a thousand things I've done or said behind the scenes. I one time was rude to the boys uh, at MMA Junkies um, radio when I used their studio. I had to go back and apologize to them. I don't hold myself up as some kind of pillar of, of moral uh, competency and uh, as, a, as a guiding light. Man, uh, Jesus Christ, I can't, I can't stop making mistakes. Um, The only thing I try to think of as a North Star is I just try to be decent. What do I owe people, and what do I owe the sport? And this is the last part of it, dude. People in this sport are just takers. They're just takers. And I'm a taker too, you know, when they want to use the sport to get rich. They want to use the sport to get attention. They want to use the sport for some kind of ulterior motive. And at the end of the day, they don't really care about giving back the only hope i have and i know people disagree with my views on anti-doping but in all, all honesty i'm just trying to put some power in the fighter's hand the coverage that we do when we talk about the discrepancy between what the fighters have in terms of their leverage and the, the UFC and how this leads to the suppressed wages and everything else. It's because I'm trying to give back. I'm trying to give back to people that deserve to be given back to. And you can say I've succeeded and you can say I've failed. But that is the mission here. The mission is to tell the truth, because that is the only way you're really going to protect MMA. You're not going to protect MMA just taking from it all the time. And look, some people, the fighters who go in there, they don't have to be good to their spouses. They don't have to be good to anybody else. If you're going in there and you're upholding your contract and you're taking brain damage, maybe you deserve to take a little bit, right? I understand that. But the only thing I can hope for is to just be a little bit decent. And for people to tell me, to tell me through my 13 or 14 years that the majority of people in this sport are not are not one-way takers, get the fuck out of here. Please, I am not one of these guys in media who's going to humor my audience to tell you things comforting that you need to hear. That's not who I am. It's not who I'm going to be tomorrow. It's not who I'm going to be the next day. This audience, this, this audience, excuse me, this sport is filled to the fucking brim with snakes. It's snakes on a plane, dude. It is snakes on a plane. Why do you think I don't want to go to shows that much, man? <laughs> And even if they're not snakes, they're just deeply incompetent. They don't know how to help each other. It is everywhere. It is pervasive. And I don't know that I'm some solution, man. I don't ever, ever think of myself as one. All I can do is say, what is the best use of my time? What can I do to do right by the time that I have? And then the sport that has given me all of this grand opportunity. And it's to tell the truth. And I want you to think about that the next time some media member is mealy-mouthed about the truth. They're not giving fucking back they're taking. And I want you to remember that when some promoter doesn't tell the truth. And, and when some other person, some manager, doesn't tell the truth, they are fucking takers. They are takers. It's okay to, it's okay to give and take a little bit, but not to be a taker. You have to give back. And, you, and to do that, you've got to be fundamentally decent. And I think I am fundamentally flawed. But my only, my only hope... And I can't be more sincere about this. My only hope is that I'm not flawed enough to catch my mistakes at least after the fact and maybe just maybe prevent the next one. I, I've made a million of them, folks. And I'm going to make a million more. And I hate that about the reality of things. It drives me crazy. But I cannot believe the audacity and the disconnectedness to lecture me about the fundamental decency of the business? Dude, take that shit to another sucker. <laughs> it doesn't work around here. I know the truth. It is a broken, fucked up industry with broken, fucked up people. And a lot of them will just will just do wrong by everything. The best you can hope for are really, really good ones. Like your Joe Lazans and your Dustin Poiriers and your Julie Kedzies and your Joseph Benavidez's. Right, who are just fundamentally decent people. And then there's the rest of us who are just broken but trying to make our way through the world. And then there's the rest of them who are totally fucked up. Well, I got news for you. That balance is not one you want to... You turn over a rock in the MMA forest, you're going to find worms every time. Every time. Every time. And people are like, no, there's mostly good guys. Dude, go fuck yourself. You're... You, <laughs> What a ridiculous claim to make. What a ridiculous claim to make. Honor the people who do well and then appreciate the sacrifice that fighters make, whether or not they are good people. You can have these you can have these not compartmentalized senses of morality, but you can appreciate somebody who might do something fucked up and still, as I mentioned, if you're going in there and getting brain damage for money, maybe you don't have to be, you know, Mr. Rogers for me to still understand that's a sacrifice that somebody's making, maybe to put bread on their table for their kids. That uh, I can appreciate. I, I, I say this all the time, dude. I was in the Marine Corps. You think everyone I, I I was with in the enlisted ranks didn't cheat on their wives? I trained with a female Marine. This is a true story. We both got out after the fact, and she never she never complained one time about anything. I'd never seen a person so tough in my life as this female Marine I had trained with, dude. And she was in a combat arms unit that. You know, did everything possible either to kick her out or um, to just make life shitty for her. You know, never had it easy, dude. Never, never. There was never one day where the wind was at her back and she never complained. And then on top of that, we get out of the Marine Corps and she tells me that all the way down the line, she had been sexually harassed by senior leadership and and she never said a fucking word. And she could have ended all their careers you know and i was like this one this one this one this one this one and it was like you couldn't believe the names and i was like are you fucking kidding me and then all the other guys who were just shitty people you know uh, and don't get me wrong a lot of them were good and there's a fundamental decency nay heroism in signing up to serve your contract but uh, or, and, uh, sorry to, to to serve your country and honor your contract that's a really decent thing that's more than a decent thing. That's a brave and honorable thing. An honor should be conferred upon that. But that doesn't all the time and in every way negate all the other personal failures that you end up seeing when you begin to look behind the curtain a little bit. Yo, man, if you want to live in a world where you think the, the majority of people um, are, 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 I mean, morally locked on and act in accordance with that and then deserve to have that group labeled as angelic, you are entitled to that. But last time I checked, the last group that did that was the Catholic Church, and they can't stop having scandals about fucking kids. <laughs> it's, just, it's just not, you're not in touch with reality, man. You're, I couldn't, I, 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 there are times that I get blowback. Like I really understand that people don't, um, it took me a long time, a very long time, to come to the, to the worldview of, that I have around anti-doping. right? And if you don't agree with it, this is not a lecture about why you should. But it just took me a long time. It took a lot of reading of scholarship. And even if you had read the same scholarship, you might come to a very different conclusion. It's not a virtue and a privilege of having read it, but it took a long time for me to get to this position. There's so many layers to it. I can really understand why even people who know more than me might not agree. I, I can really understand it. I cannot believe, I cannot believe the naivete That goes into lecturing me about the fundamental goodness of this industry. Oh my God. (laughs) What nonsense. What absolute nonsense. (sighs) All right, moving along here. Jesus Christ. With Peter Yan facing Marlon Morais, and Cejudo facing Aldo, who do you think Aljamain Sterling should fight or should he just wait? I'm guessing Corey Sandhagen. Uh, shouts to Michael Chiesa, who, by the way, seems to be another fundamentally decent person from what I know. I've um, always been super professional with me and everything I've heard from him from other people has been right in line with that. Um he um he made a point saying like you know making the suhuda aldo fight has made it really hard for potentially deserving contenders to just to just level up and so you've got Jan versus Morais, as you indicated, and you got you think what's next with alban I'm not sure what his comeback scenario is we had him on my pre we did like a pre morning combat u f c two forty four show and uh um he had his hand in a cast, and he had told me, "God, what was the time frame he had had?" Um, I forget. I don't know what his time frame is, but Sandhagen's looking for one. So maybe that's the way you go, because those—I mean—that's your four-man tournament: Jan Marais, Sterling, and Sandhagen. Holy shit, dude! That is—that's a—that's a great bantamweight, great bantamweight four-man tournament. Other than what would be the rank, let me see the rankings. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Marais Mar- is one. Obviously, the champ is unranked. Sterling is two. Jan is three. Sanhagen's four. There you go. It's got to be Sanhagen. All right. Random question for you Do you think history will show that the awful wheel kick that Chris Weidman tried on Luke Rockhold? might be nearly singularly responsible for ending his career. It was that attempt which Rockhold effortlessly took advantage of, subsequently giving Chris a hellacious beating. Yes, I thought that fight should have been stopped a long time before it was. From that point, of course, Weidman lost his belt, then proceeded to lose four of his next five, fighting infrequently with all of that. With all the losses by being by KO or TKO, but one being brutal knockout losses, does that wheel kick attempt signal the end of Chris Weidman's career? Well, it's, it's certainly um, emblematic, or at least it's, um, it's not emblematic of his career, because he didn't really do that a lot. But I, I think you can look at that as a real turning point. But the one challenge I would have to that, I think it's a fair question. The one challenge I would have to that is um, he was injured a lot. He was injured a lot. And I don't know if that was a result of the weight cutting, of the training, of just him being naturally injury prone. That part to me remains very much unclear. But I think that really plays a role too. In fact, you kind of alluded to it with him fighting infrequently. He had a a hard time maintaining a healthy state and ready state, frankly, to to compete. Um, And so um, I would add that in. I would add that like from that point, and I do think that that beating – Uh, altered him potentially. I mean, or at at least there's reasons to believe that that beating made a big difference. And then, you know, he never got right really in the way that he was before that. Uh, I also think that the injuries really exacerbated his ability to make any rebound, right? Maybe he could have fought more frequently, got dialed in in a way where he could have, um, you know, maintained some more competitive readiness for the next bout and the next bout and the next bout. And that really limited him. So, I think, it's, I think it's a little bit one note to say just that moment. But that moment, you can begin to see, combined with this general inability to stay healthy, are big explainers or at least big indicators of uh, when things have gone right and wrong. Dancing competition. Yoel versus Valentina Shevchenko. Oh, dude, Shevchenko competed on national television in Peru. I mean, Yoel probably can cut a rug. But Valentina will whoop up. Valentina's like nearly pro level at that. Like, Valentina would smoke him. Uh, Acting competition. Ion Kutelaba versus (laughs) Neymar. Um, That's funny. Uh, Neymar. Because Neymar will bring out the tears. You get you get the waterworks with Neymar, right? So, spelling competition. You spelled Stepe wrong. I'm guessing on purpose. Stepe Miocic versus Nate Diaz. Uh, I did I'll. Uh, I think Stepe is much better about it than than Nate. So, I'll say that. Uh, let me skip one. I'll come back to it. True false. Will you smoke or drink on the JRE? I'm definitely not going to smoke, dude. Joe probably has nuclear bomb level marijuana that will just fry your brain there's no effing way i'm going to smoke that however might i enjoy a a a drink or seven maybe but there's no effing way i'm you know i wouldn't smoke dirt weed before going on that show much less um the walter white shit he's probably got leon edwards gets a title shot after a win over woodley if he wins probably i don't know who'd be left we see a 165-pound weight class by the end of 2021. I'm going to say true only as like wishful thinking, but I don't know that that's true. Probably is not, but I'm going to say true just because I want to put positive energy in that direction. Bantamweight gets a new champion by the end of 2021. Um, Sure, I'll say true. Do I want to answer this one? Thoughts on the Democratic elections? How bad will... It's got 26 upvotes. How bad will those Trump and Biden debates look for the Democrats if elected? God, Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, you guys know I put my cards on the table. I try to be as um, forthright with you as I can so that you're able to make a decision about any potential biases I might have. And you guys all know I lean very much to the left. I am not a member of the Democratic Party. I'm an independent. I'm not a member of any party. Um... And for this reason, oh my fucking God, man. (laughs) uh... There apparently is, inside the Democratic Party, there apparently is an overwhelming urge to watch elder abuse at the Democratic debate, or excuse me, the uh, presidential debates by watching Trump absolutely fucking curb stomp. Um. The and I'm not saying this to be insulting. I'm saying this because it's a matter of fact. The cognitively impaired Joe Biden. Now Trump has his own cognitive issues, but I think when it comes to a debate stage, he would. I mean. Fucking ten uh, seven. If the guy made it out of the first, he's gonna he's gonna get hurt. He's gonna get very very badly hurt. The guy is morally compromised in ways that. Are endless. He has been wrong on every possible issue, uh, every major issue that there could have been. He badgered Anita Hill. He voted for the Iraq War. He tried to strip protections for students uh, and student loans and and, uh, heading into bankruptcy uh, was for mass incarceration. I mean, I could go on and on and on. The guys heavily funded at this point now, certainly they're rallying behind him, the pharmaceutical industry, the healthcare industry, uh, defense contractors, uh, and this Burisma shit is going to... It it, it is like... (laughs) It's like, dude, from the moment that... You guys know I don't like Trump. Under any circumstance, I don't like him. But you, you have to sort of reconcile with what got him elected. Like, what is it about what has happened in this country that has made him... Popular to a to to a to a portion of uh, and a key portion of the electorate. Like what what is going on? What is the lesson that the other opposing party would want to learn? And every time they've had a chance to learn that lesson and then take corrective behavior to then be competitive, they have done the opposite. They have done red baiting. They have done uh, impeachment processes which they knew they would lose, and now they're going to put back in an establishment candidate who is so. Overleveraged and compromised, and cognitively impaired, that Trump is going to fuck him up, and it is going to be—I don't know if it's going to be painful to watch or enjoyable to watch, but I'll just say this: you can see if you guys are not paying attention on the left side of the aisle. One of the debates now is how kind of mean uh, Bernie's supporters are, right? The, the the badgering online that is alleged to have taken place. It's like you know, I was really against uh, militaristic imperialism in the Middle East and. In favor of um, saving the planet, but I was someone was mean to me online, and so now I'm I'm going to go for a different candidate. I mean, can you only imagine the fragility of somebody like that? But but more more to the point, and I'll wrap on this. Uh, if you if y'all thought Bernie Bros were mean, now wait wait until uh, if Biden ends up taking the whole thing in the nomination, w- wait until then. And then Trump goes in there and smokes that motherfucker like salmon, which he's going to do. It is going to be ugly, ugly. <laughs> and I can't tell if I'm going to watch it with a perverse degree of pleasure, or just sort of a, you know, I, I wow. They they are in that that the, the one reason why you would want to support Bernie if you're on the left. Like forget about people who are on the right. One reason you would want to support him is because you would want the Democratic establishment uh, overthrown, because it's a rotted, uh, just profoundly corrupt uh, enterprise. And part of, part of supporting Bernie is that he stands the best chance of ushering in that change. And instead, it looks like they're going to go the other direction, uh, not, not learning any lessons about why they're on the outs. They they are brilliant. They are brilliant. All right. If you donated, I'll take a look at your stuff now. I'll come back to some of these questions here if I can. Uh, let's see. They are brilliant. Wow. All right. Let's go to your questions here. Thoughts on Garbrandt working with Mark Henry? I think Mark Henry is a uh, capable steward of, of uh, students. I think Garbrandt getting some looks. I know he trained with Brandon Gibson for a time. I don't know if that's still in play or not. But Mark Henry is a is a uh, is a credentialed coach, and I suspect Garbrandt can only profit from it. Plus, Gar- Mark has I think you know really stick to the game plan, systematic defense incorporated kind of style. Uh, they 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 are they they are good about you know making feints work. I think that's the kind of thing that Garbrandt needs to really get the most out of himself. Prediction for Adesanya Romero. You know, I I don't do predictions because I don't think the world is knowable. Or I don't think the future is knowable. I'll say this. I'll say... um, I think Adesanya probably, in all likelihood, should win. Um, But Romero is crafty. Romero is crafty. So we'll see. I, I don't really like doing predictions. I do them for fun on my radio show, but like we call them Stupid we call them stupid predictions cuz they're stupid. There's no need to watch them. We're not we're not doing anything interesting. We're just saying dumb shit. Uh okay. Prime TRTV Tour versus Yoel Romero. Yoel Romero. All right, which again goes back to some of the arguments I've made about what advantages we allow and which ones we don't, but another conversation for another day. Uh how hyped are you for the Khabib versus Tony Presser today? I'm 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 intrigued. I'm intrigued, I'm mildly intrigued. Um I'm not as high on as some of you guys are, but maybe I'm missing something. I I, I very well could be. I could be world-weary and jaded at this point, not understanding what the value is in all of this. So, um I certainly I think we're going to I'm not sure what time it is. It's a good question, right? Let's go to the the um let me go to the UFC's YouTube page. The presser is at Uh, 6 p.m., so it'll be right after my show. Um, yeah, I'll watch, I'll, I'll pay attention. I'm excited. And the weigh-ins are at 7. Okay, yeah, good. I've never been in a fight and spar, so I feel a lack of understanding of stand-up and martial arts. So, could you describe how you watch fights? Um, Great question. Well, if you've never been in a fight or sparred, I really recommend going to a martial arts gym if you can, if you can afford it, if it's something that's possible to you, and not sparring right away. Of course not. Like under the tutelage of a um, credentialed and responsible. I'm going to put this up for just a second. A credentialed and responsible instructor. You know, building the ba- the the, the uh, putting together the building blocks of somebody who then can eventually get to a point where they can spar. You got you got to learn to go through that a little bit. Uh, You can't live with those kinds of not fear. Maybe some people have fear about it, but I'm not saying everyone should get in a street fight in their life. Because if you can avoid it, there's no value to it. But um, understanding what physical conflict looks like and what it does to you and how to manage those things, I think, are really important. So, how do I watch fights? Um, The first thing I always pay attention to: what stance are they in? How are they moving? And the first thing I try to look, pay attention to, is are they standing southpaw? Are they standing orthodox? Did they take center? Did they back up? Um, what are they showing to their opponent? Are they fainting? What, which way are they circling? What are they? What are they trying to do? What, what, what is the goal here that they're trying to do? Uh, and then I begin to try to piece in my mind what their strategy is, and that's sort of how I watch fights. Um, sometimes it's harder to do than others. I, I mean, you're asking me how I watch fights. I don't always do that very successfully. Uh so which is why I like going back through and watching things in slow motion, but that's that's how I tend to try and watch things. What are they trying to implement here? um thoughts of democratic primary already done that I won't go back over it with another USAda presentation and the guarantee of future ones. what is your take on these and how cringe they are? Yeah, I mean you guys know my view look, look if these guys see value in the apparatus uh, I'll just say this um I tweeted an article about it this week. There was this uh, famous athlete, this German athlete. I think he was a runner. Um, he was an Olympian for times. at times. He had argued that the current anti-doping system doesn't work, which I've been trying to tell everybody, and that the solution was to just hand over anti-doping to the police. You'll note that USADA has uh, asked for federal powers to investigate and um, prosecute I have to be clear about the terms here. I'm not entirely certain about the the full purview, but they wanted a say anyway in handling. Um, I think illegal gambling or uh, illegal gambling as related to sports, which means they're trying to widen their purview far beyond anti-doping. Their argument is that it relates to anti-doping, but not which which which, which sort of like yes, but there's lots of. Um, there's lots of things that relate to anti-doping that they don't necessarily need to be in charge of that are also things that you know society might want to squash. They're, what they're looking for is, this is where all this is headed. Um, people have asked me, oh, do you think you'll ever be vindicated? Well, in some ways, I already have been. In some ways, n- never. What do I mean by that? The, th- the, the, the situation that I prefer for all of sports, every sport should have its own say. Certain sports and its athletes they're really big believers in having a robust anti-doping, and um, and the athletes are in favor of it, and the institutions are in favor of it. And so if that's really how the, the the stakeholders feel, they should have what they want. If you notice in the professional leagues, like in America, with the NFL, they have a union, and then they have the organization. And so there's this meeting in the middle where the athletes have a say in terms of protecting their interests – where the institution has a say in terms of protecting their interests, and they work out a mutual agreement so that both sort of get something out of it in the end. And you're talking about the NFL, a sport where people literally get paralyzed and die every year playing it. That's not an exaggeration. That's a fact. You're talking about demonstrably worse health outcomes than, than fist fighting. And uh, they don't scandalize it, and everyone's rights and um, uh, needs are protected in these arrangements. I think that's really the way to go. Everyone wants a one size fits all which is um uh, you know this absolutism of of uh, you know uh, just say no in all cases and I just don't think that's a reality. Um I think cases where you have a world's strongest man which by the way strongman is a sport Uh, It's pretty clearly in their interest to use performance-enhancing drugs. The audience doesn't care, and frankly, I don't think the stakeholders care that much in terms of the institutions either. So let them, but if the swimming community doesn't feel that way, then they shouldn't be forced. To me, it's a meeting of institutional interests combined with athlete interests combined with not buying into, in every case in this country and in really worldwide, Every drug, whether they are illicit or otherwise, has undergone a scandalization process and a moral panic. That is true for marijuana. It's been true for cocaine. It's been true for just about anything. And certainly PEDs and steroids in particular have undergone that with these fanciful tales of roid rage, which turns out it's not really a real thing. And you can go on down the list. Um, if you, if you step back from that scandalization and that scandalized process, you actually ask what the harms are, and then you ask, to what extent do the athletes want it? To what extent do the institutions want it? To what extent do they not, and vice versa? And then you just go down the line and you say, in these particular sports, this is the rule, rather than one size fits all, steroids are bad, PEDs are bad. I don't really think that's a, I don't think that's rational, I don't think it's fair, and I don't think it's ethical. Certain sports are not going to want that. Certain institutions are not going to want that. In those cases, fine. In plenty others, wh- why on earth would you watch the world's strongest man if they weren't using performance-enhancing drugs? I mean, it seems silly. It's, it's nonsensical. I don't care that they're on drugs. And, and we have seen multiple studies done. Um, now, to this point, I think the last one was done by um, was the University of Adelaide. I have to double-check that where they had shown uh, you know, tobacco and alcohol significantly worse for health outcomes than uh, virtually any form of performance enhancing drug use. So these ideas about being against the spirit of the sport, which, by the way, is rooted in this notion of amateurism, which we no longer tolerate, uh, having bad for the athlete, that's grossly overstated, and it can be bad for the, the sport itself in terms of the fairness of the outcomes. Well, if everyone kind of wants it, who's it bad for? It's not a one-size-fits-all policy. So in the sense that I feel vindicated, you already see some of these arrangements. And I think they work out fine for everybody. Um, But here's where we're headed on the other side. We're headed on the other side where the people who are zealots about this, who don't believe that athletes really have a say over this process, that they aren't entitled to fairness, that, that ruining Tom Lawler's career is just the cost of doing business, Uh, they want to bring in law enforcement into all of this. And they want to put people in jail. And there's going to be some successes in that effort. And you see this Rodchenkov Act that's getting through Congress, which has bipartisan support, which, by the way, is also part of this red-baiting, you know, Russia is the problem that we all face, and Putin wants the blah, blah, blah. This sort of just, you know, I mean, nonsense you see constantly in our political news. It's bleeding into sport now, and we're going to stick it to Russia um, with these laws that will allow us federal, greater federal oversight of performance-enhancing drug use in sport. To me, it seems fucking ridiculous. You're going to put people in jail over javelin? And I think un- up and until people see just how manifestly deranged that is and how far this debate has gone to extremities, um, even while you see a workable solution in real time over in the professional ranks, um, this is not going to stop. So, you know, I don't know what to say. With, God, I can't do more of these. People get really bad about political stuff. With Biden as the nominee, the Democrats can kiss the Midwest goodbye. The lack of self-awareness in the DNC is mind-boggling. Screw Tom Perez. They are a dumb fucking group, man. <laughs> they're really stupid. They're, I mean, they're very stupid people. Uh, what are your desert island movies? You were stranded on an island, excuse me, and you could only bring five movies with you. What would they be? Wow, great question. Um, You're going to laugh at me, but it's fun. The Rock, not the person, the movie. One with Sean Connery, Ed Harris, Nicolas Cage. The Rock. Um, Something from Brazzers. It's a movie, right? Uh, The Last Emperor. Well, that's a tough one. Do I want to go something fun I can rewatch, or um, that's a tough one? Uh, golly, that's a really good question. I'm trying to think. The Last Emperor has long been one of my favorite movies ever. The Rock has been one of my fun movies I really go to. Brazzers, of course, because, you know, got to keep the pipes clean. Um, <laughs> Jesus, two more? That almost makes it harder. Um, maybe The Maybe the Matrix, but not because it's like one of the all-time best movies, just because it's kind of fun. Uh, and it's sort of repeatable, right? You can watch it a lot. And then I'll say, oh, Predator, right? I mean, I'm not picking the Criterion collection here. I understand that. But those would be easy choices for me just because I could watch them over and over again. You see uh, Wiley being able to counter off the leg kicks to land her right hand. I think Wiley is the right combo of technical and power to finish the fight. This is what you guys have to keep in mind couple of things, you know, they made Ioana the underdog, not a substantial one, but they made her the underdog, and frankly, I'm not sure I really agree with that, which is to say the following, how, in every case, what does Joanna need to succeed? She needs the ability to move and the ability to land her jab and or her leg kick, which can often serve a jab-like function, right? It's not, that's not, that's a little bit over of a generalization, but there's a little bit of truth to that too. One of the ways you'll notice, go back and look at the Rose-Nama Yunus fight, either the first or second one. Think about the best strikes that Nama Yunus landed on her, or any of them kicks. Hardly any, right? I mean, there might be some, but really, you think about it, it was she did it with the hammer of Thor, yeah? So what you're looking at there is a scenario where you've got to crowd her, you've got to push her back, and you've got to either elicit the jab and slip, or you've got to be first and take away her ability to even use the jab. You've got to kill the jab to do that. Now, they had they had identical reaches. 65 inches for Yuna 65 for um, for Ioana. Uh But um, Wiley has a 2-inch reach disadvantage and is shorter. So she's going to have to get in there and really kind of mix it up. Now, can she do that? I guess your guess is as good as mine. But she's up against it in ways that Rose was not. So just just sort of pay attention to that. Um, that's what you're going to have to see. If she's giving, if 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 Zhang or Wiley Li, I never know how to say the names correctly but in Chinese, but uh, if she is giving room to Joanna, that's going to be really bad. Because if she has room, that means she has room to stick the jab and circle. If she can stick the jab and circle and then evade, it's going to be a long night. It's going to be a long night. Uh, I just discovered ESPN Plus has Ali fights. Have you gone back and watched some classic fights on streaming services? Uh, Yeah, sure, I do it all the time, actually. Adesanya will win by Peruvian necktie. Good luck choking that beast from Cuba. Fuck that. I know it's not booked, but how do you see a fight between Usman and Masvidal playing out? I see Usman spamming him with takedown attempts, getting some, not getting others, and it being that for five rounds, where Masvidal will end up just playing defense a lot, and as a consequence, will end up winning. Is there any cross-division fight you would like to see currently? If Ferguson and Masvidal win, would you like to see that? Sure, that'd be awesome. Um, You know, Max going up to 155 and taking on some interesting fights. Connor again would be kind of fun. I'd love to see that. If Romero wins, Adesanya's chances of being a UFC superstar disappears. So far, despite the success, his exposure, it's still niche. No, it doesn't disappear. If you go back, Connor is a very different case. Although even then, with the ACL being uh, uh, and the injury being a factor, this is kind of true. I was like looking at the careers of Saint Pierre and Silva, and I was wondering like what is the common denominator about when they begin to like really take over? And the answer is about three years into their careers, career. Excuse me, UFC runs. Some of that was as champion, some of it was not. And then with with like rivals to beat, like real rivals. Like when Josh Koscheck was a dick, you saw the pay-per-view buys of St. Pierre go up. When uh, he had to reclaim the title for Matt Hughes, you saw a tick up. When Dana White, you saw you saw a tick up against Talos Lightes for Anderson Silva. But it was really after that. It was like the Forrest Griffin fight where he really took on another level because he's going up a weight class and he's taking on someone that, you know, was a champion up at that weight class. He was big and you thought he'd be a really tough challenge you know Dana White was promoting him as like the the best we'd ever seen and so there was a lot to answer for there so far I think Romero has some of those things but not totally to me it's like if he fought John Jones and beat him I think he would just shoot into the stratosphere overnight basically that's what you're looking for so he's only 2 years in so he still has some time to get there and it's going to be it's going to be around real key rivals what's next for Darius if he beats close I have no idea where is he ranked Is he? I don't think he is. Just trying to get in that top 15. That's it. He's a talented guy, but that's a tough division that he's in. What does Tyson Fury need to do to become the greatest of all time? Could Usyk beat the current top 10 heavyweights? I I, I tend to think uh, Usyk or Usyk could, but we need to see evidence of that. Um, obviously, he was a ridiculously good cruiser. <sighs> to be the greatest of all time? Jesus. He would have to defend his title... I mean, we're we're very far away from that. Like, as a lineal champion, obviously, he's done quite well, but um, he just got the WBC and, you know, what was it? Um, Wilder was like working on, what, 10 defenses, I think? I mean, we're very far away from that. My kid. How important is cross-training boxing to burgeoning MMA strikers? It depends on their game. If you had to choose an archetype for young MMA strikers to emulate, who would it be and why? Depends on what they like to do. Depends on their body type. I'd say you can't go wrong... Hold on. I'd say you can't go wrong with... uh, um, Volkanovsky. What he does is very hard to pull off. Right? And it's labor intensive. Um... So it really depends on their body types and what they like to do and like what they can reasonably stand up to. So it's hard, it's hard, it's hard to it's hard to answer that question. Um, obviously, you know, any top striker is great, but striking is very different. It's it's a it's a function of like what what speaks to you, you know? you talked about tight fundamentals. volkanovsky has got really tight fundamentals, you know. Um, he's very very good. What about Chael? What about him? I Spoke to him the other day. He's doing well. Ben Shapiro has a website called, here is a list of all the stupid stuff I've done or said. Boy, I bet it's exhaustive. Where he admits or defends stuff he's done or said. What things would you put up there if you had a similar site? Some of the stuff I already referenced earlier. I'll tell you one, I was convinced for a time, this was a long time ago. I mean, you know, we're talking UFC 60-something, right? Even before that. I was convinced Matt Lindland would have beaten the shit out of Anderson Silva. <laughs> it's a fairly stupid opinion uh, that I've had. Um, I do think a reckoning needs to happen about a lot of the arguments about MMA oversaturation because a lot of the claimed effects of it did come true, but a lot of its most negative prognostications did not. And so there's a split there that needs to be acknowledged that I've not gone through the work to do yet, but uh, that would be one, another one I would go through, like adamantly being like, this would be terrible for business in these specific ways. And some of it definitely did come true. A lot of it didn't, and uh, recon- reconciling why would be important. The MMA gods don't want Khabib versus Tony to happen, what's the chance he gets canceled? I'm not even going to entertain this bullshit. Y'all need to think positively, man. Come on. Come on. you get, you got to get your mind right, kids. Let's go. What aspect of UL's striking game poses the biggest threat to Izzy, and why is his striking so underrated these days? He's very deceptively layered. Uh, I would say just his ability to explode into range and he'll change stances all of a sudden. There's a real unpredictability to Yoel. Not merely because he's always defending and then, and then punching. He's actually changing that up a little bit. But sometimes he'll just throw things. I don't think... Like, if I had to ask you, who's got a clearer, more concise, like rational game plan about how to implement skills and diminish weaknesses between Yoel and Adesanya? I would imagine most of you would say Adesanya. Part of me just feels like they but you all like kind of knows what he needs to do, and part of it just feels like he just improvs. And that improv makes it very hard to plan around. Did Davis and Figueroa catch JB on the half beat to KO him? Yes. Split his timing. He was in between steps and he <laughs> fired one down the line. Is Joel's wrestling prowess a bit overblown given the difference between freestyle and folk style? Yeah, I spoke to um to Frank Hickman yesterday, who was an assistant coach for Adesanya and then a coach over at City kickboxing more generally, and then Tiger Muay Thai. And we were talking about the differences there. They just don't look for wrist rides in the same way. They don't look to remember, like a lot of times you have this thing called referees position where you can get top and bottom and then you choose. They blow the whistle and you either have to escape or you have to learn how to ride a guy and then break him back down. These these have like great applications for MMA that these just don't exist in freestyle. Plus the scoring's a little bit different with push outs. You know, it's just—it's just—it's obviously freestyle wrestling is very valuable, but relative to folk style for MMA purposes, I don't think so. And I think it's why you see Yoel can like wrap up people and he can run down a knee tap, and it's amazing. And then after that, he doesn't hold people down. Who do you have in Weidman versus Hermanson? I'm gonna say Hermanson. I'm gonna say Hermanson. I think uh, he's a little bit—I think he's a little bit um, still fresh. Jesus Christ, I gotta get through these. I don't have a lot of time. You all wins his next last fight is Jones. No, they won't fight. Who do you think will be the next villain in the MCU? Kang, the conqueror or Galactus. Also, who do you think will be a sequel to Annihilation with Natalie Portman? There won't be a sequel to Annihilation because that bo- that movie, despite if you guys never saw uh, red letter media did a great job explaining like, remember how they remade the ghostbusters with like the all female cast. And, like this is really important for seeing young women in these roles and the movie sucked. And like, it's important to see them in STEM roles You know, it's just goofy-ass fucking Ghostbusters queef jokes, and they all sucked. Meanwhile, this movie Annihilation comes out with all-female cast, basically. It's so deftly done, you don't even realize it's an all-female cast. It just kind of sneaks up on you. The plot is interesting, the acting is phenomenal, and everything about it was just original and fresh, and the movie fucking tanked. (laughs) They're not going to redo that, even though they should have. As far as MCU, I'm kind of checked out on that, but Galactus, I knew, was like the one who's like the... Eater of Worlds, right? Of Conqueror of Universes? That'd be cool. Are bookmakers as crazy and misinformed as I suspect in making Zhang a material favorite over Ioana? I don't know if I call that crazy, but I wonder about its wisdom. If Izzy beats Yoel, then Costa, where are we ranking him among middleweight greats? Um, so what, Dave Monet would be a middleweight, middleweight great, Rich Franklin, obviously yeah, Silva, Wyman Rockhold, these are all the champions, right? Uh, it would put him, I think, just behind Silva, probably. All right, I can't get to the political questions anymore, I, I, y'all are just going to kill me. Do you ever intend on moving in that direction or public service? No. Who made you the moral arbiter of who is and isn't a good person? Nobody. Um, Any past or present TV show recommendations? By the way, to answer the question about who made me the arbiter, no one. I don't have the final say. I recommend everyone else get a good look. Here's my challenge to everyone. If you think I am wrong about my assessments, about the, the relative goodness of the MMA industry, come on and take that Pepsi challenge. I fucking dare you. Come on and take that Pepsi challenge, and then let's have a talk about it, shall we? I'm so right about that one. I, I I couldn't wait for you to try. Past or present TV show recommendations. I just finished the new season two of Narcos Mexico. It's better than the last one. Um, And then The Wire. I'll just go see The Wire. Nothing wrong. There, was, there, was a, there was a debate, right? What was better? The Wire or Breaking Bad. I love Breaking Bad. I really love Breaking Bad. It ain't The Wire. Seinfeld, Friends, or The Office? If by The Office you mean the British office, then it's The Office. Otherwise, it's Seinfeld. The American office is shit. I know that's a hot take, but it's shit. Uh, I love you. See you soon, boy. Something you don't want to hear in person from a guy like Romero. (laughs) Certainly quite true. What causes a fighter uh, to lose reaction speed and fast twitch timing? Age can damage affect that. It's usually a genetic thing, but unless, unless you've had irreversible soft tissue damage, I mean, you're speaking about something I have no frame of reference on, but I would imagine probably some kind of damage can affect that, but I guess it's got to be a function of what kind of damage, how lasting it is, and then how much fast twitch muscle fiber did you have to begin with, right? And how much did you do to um, keep it healthy and fresh and work on it? Uh, two quick random questions. Anyone ever hear from Condit lately? I have not. And Anyone hear anything more about Hardy trying to fight again? Last time he was on my show, I asked him about it. And he said yes. I think he's just waiting for the right name. Because he looks like he's in good shape every time I see him. I did the UFC 244 pre-fight show on SiriusXM with him. Dude's in good shape. He's in good. He looks good. So we'll see. We'll see. Someone says, better call Saul is break- better than Breaking Bad. That's nah, going a little too far, but it is very good. All right, boys and girls, I got to get out of here because I got to go radio show to do. Remember, my podcast, my podcast, I think there's a link below in the description box. If not, I'll put one in there. You can go and get my show for free, the best of anyway, every single day, every single weekday. Um, I did not upload last week's podcast because I'm a shithead, but I'll fix that today and uh, a bunch of other stuff. All right, boys and girls, thank you so much for watching. I appreciate it. Until next time, stay frosty.